everyone, and welcome to our second episode of Clean at Work. This is Sarah Baca, and I have my co-host, John Barrett, here with me today, and we are going to be talking about what is systemic modeling. Hi, John. Hi, Sarah. It's good to see you again. It's been a, a bigger break than we'd liked, but it's good to be back in the seat, I guess it is, chair. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to all the other time we sit here all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like we've been strangers all this time, but <laughs> we only meet for these <laughs> So what oh. is systemic modeling is a big thing because we've both devoted a lot of our life to it lately. Yeah, well, it's been two years now, but especially the last kind of three months, it's, it's, yeah, it seems like all my time. Yeah. What do you think? It's a good question. I, um, I was hoping you were going to start us <laughs> off with that one. Yeah, but you've dropped me, dropped me in this. <laughs> the I've been thinking about it because we had meant to meet a few weeks ago. And I've been thinking, is it just facilitation or is it more? And I think the answer is yes to both of those for me. Mm because it is facilitation as far as leading the group to an outcome, but it's also got models and bits of it that have changed the way I do everything in my life. So. It's a way of life. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a religion. I don't think. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> oh, what do you think? <laughs> um, so you said something interesting about um, it's facilitation because it's, um, getting a team to an outcome, but I'm not sure that's always the case and it's not always what we've contracted to do. So maybe that is a difference between um, systemic coaching and systemic modeling and um, facilitation because when I'm, when I'm facilitating a group, it is one of the definitions is that you've, you're helping them reach an outcome easier, more effective, efficient. Um, and one of the things Caitlin says about systemic modeling is that you, um, and one of the difference between that and symbolic modeling, which is kind of more one-on-one -on -one co focused clean language coaching, is that you've not always contracted for a group to get to an outcome and you've not necessarily defined what the outcome might be with that specific group up front. Between coaching and facilitation is that with facilitation, you're facilitating to an outcome and with coaching, you don't know what the outcome is, do you think? Um, so both, um, both in organized relationship systems coaching and systemic modeling, which are the two kind of systems coaching approaches that I know, one of the rules both of them have is that you don't necessarily agree an outcome with that system up front. Um, you don't contract for that. Whereas in one-on-one -on -one coaching, you're almost always definitely um, contracting towards an outcome of some description. And in facilitation you are, um, when you're working with the system, um, you're not always. And I think it's to do with permission. Mm. So um, if I'm working with a system, there may be people in that system that don't necessarily want to be there um, and don't and one of the reasons why you might be there is because they can't agree on an outcome. Yeah, that's true. Or alignment. Now, that could be the outcome to get them to agree on an outcome. 
don't know, but it, it's more of a, a softer uh, view of the world. So I'm definitely using lots of facilitation techniques and my facilitation skills have just kind of gone through the roof since I've been doing systemic modeling. Um, really kind of being able to hold whatever comes up, being able to uh, compare and contrast people's kind of ideas and thoughts with each other. And it's kind of, there's more to it as well. Like you said, there's, it changes your view on the world. Right. And I think we can't talk about systemic modeling and how it changes your views on the world and how you work with a group for outcomes or not for outcomes or contracting and all of that without really rewinding a little bit and talking about David Grove and the creation of clean language, mm -hmm. clean languages, and then Penny and James and their work with symbolic modeling, which you referenced yep. before, which is the one-on-one -on -one metaphor landscape. Like you have to have that background for the context in order to talk about systemic modeling too. So there's like a little bit of the history as well. Yeah, I think so. And what's important about that history to you? Um, I hope I don't get any of this wrong. I've heard the stories a few times. Um, David Grove was from New Zealand. And so his cultural background and the way that they connect the generations, I think helped influence his idea of, of how the world works and how important language is and all of that. And so he was watching the work of other renowned psychologists because his background was psychotherapy and he saw how they would change the words and slightly tweak the metaphors or introduce their own metaphors and realize that they were influencing the clients. And so he created questions that are clean questions to find a way to help clients um, investigate and work with their own inner landscapes and own inner metaphors so that he didn't influence them or drive them to any solution like we were talking about or anything like that so it was completely clean and it was completely made up by the client and then um james lawler and penny tompkins worked with him when he was first i think after he'd been doing it and was developing it a few years and then they really defined it for working one-on-one -on -one and and really like started documenting it and keeping track of it and writing it down and sharing it with others yeah so he was they were into nlp at the time right and one of the practices yeah. in nlp is finding someone who's good at something and then modeling what they do so that others can eat more easily learn those skills yeah so that makes sense well they did a good job <laughs> <laughs> all of us are learning from them and and then caitlin started working with them as well they brought caitlin into it caitlin walker and then she started doing it because she was a teacher with the youth in london right and had to move quickly to keep their attention and you can read all about that in her book um from contempt to curiosity which is a great like, story that's layered with what she learned as she first was beginning to do all of that just using the clean language and the metaphors from the others and then applying it to groups, which is what John and I are so excited about. Okay, so that's a bit about the background. So why is it that, we talked about why a lot in the last session, but yeah. what is it about systemic modeling that keeps us so hooked? Yeah, I think 
the models and the way that they're applied, the models that Caitlin uses, and she's, I've heard her say a few times that there's multiple models she could have picked, but she's picked like the easiest ones to remember and use. So um, I think John and I have both written about what they are. So if anyone was curious, they could go look at our articles. I know you've written a really great article about um, clean scoping, which is mm -hmm. like with the client and finding out what it is they need and if you're able to bring what they need like to the table kind of. And I think I've written a little bit about um, the brain state model, which is similar to the triune brain um, that Caitlin uses and the drama triangle and evidence inference impact, which is clean feedback. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's right that she's chose simple models um, on purpose and by design so that the group can start using them themselves. So the facilitator can um, make themselves redundant quite quickly um, by help, helping the group to be able to self-model um, as and when they need it because the feedback loop is much shorter and that's why you know I started off with ORSC and then moved to systemic modeling because in ORSC it feels like the systemic modeler is or the facilitator is always going to need to be there the tools are quite complex um, and you always need a facilitator whereas what I love about this work is I can run a few sessions with a group and you know they start to to get it the models are in threes so when we do future sessions on the different models and we're teasing you now um, <laughs> you'll see that they're, they're simple to understand but difficult to master um, and I've stole that concept from scrum which people often say is simple to understand and difficult to master and it's the same with systemic modeling and all of the tools but if you just look at them on the front they're like oh yeah that's just easy there's kind of three roles or there's three positions or there's <laughs> three x's yeah. Uh, and you just kind of uh, ask people a couple of question, clean language questions and they start talking to each other. And so you, you start, and we, you know, we've both said like how frustrating it is because it looks and so right. simple. And then you try and do it in a group and you're like, oh my goodness, this is so hard. Right. <laughs> yeah, you have to remember to keep it clean with your questions. And then to notice in yourself, like what your state is and all of that, it's a lot to keep track of. And I think you just have to keep doing it until it's like muscle memory. You have to do a lot of work on yourself, right? Because as soon as you start making it inference, uh, inferences, which is making stuff up about what people have said and mm -hmm. prioritizing some people's stuff over other people's stuff, then uh, the group pick up on that very quickly and you lose it. So being able to remain neutral, which is you know a facil facilitation position that we often want to take, but really be neutral all of the time without any biases or impositions as to what's going on is kind of a lot, a lot of the journey, right? Right. And then the facilitation piece of making sure everyone gets the same amount of time, which isn't necessarily the same amount of questions, and then to move around quickly enough to form that network of attention, which is where people start to get curious about each other's stuff that they're saying, it gets, it's not easy, even though it sounds pretty, like a pretty basic concept. Yeah, it's not very easy to do. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I've been doing it two years now and it's, it's the learning curve is like, yeah. I feel like I've had some breakthroughs lately and it's still kind of, 
like one of those things that the more the like the more you learn the less you know right, right. so it's kind of you don't know what you you don't know at the start yeah and, and when you start to really kind of use this work and see what works and see what doesn't work and the other thing is that um and i i think this is true for facilitation in general it's it's not a for me it's a craft it's like coaching um it's a craft and you don't get better at a craft by learning lots of theory you need some theory but actually you get better by um practicing and getting feedback um on that practice right. and practicing some more um and getting feedback and that's what we do on a weekly basis at the minute sarah and yeah. i don't know about you but it's it's tough to to you know keep going doing something getting feedback on that thing sometimes you know really kind of embracing that growth mindset we talk about in agile right. um but not just saying we have this growth mindset but Sleep kind it. of em embodying that in everything that we right. we do and how we learn to be better systemic modelers yeah and the, the clean feedback model that you were mentioning earlier with inference being like the story i'm making up about that and evidence being what I see and impact being how that impacts me. Like I think out of all the models, that's been the biggest one for me. Oh yeah. Because of how like now I kind of filter through the things in my brain to figure out which they are. And I'm always amazed at how much I think is evidence and then realize what that was an inference and then like to scrape that back has been really big. And then like you were talking about with getting continual feedback and really having a growth mindset most of the organizations I've worked in are terrified of feedback and like they just won't do it. Um, I think feedback's really hard because so much of us compare and hook our like worth as a human into how well we do things. And if I get feedback, then that means I'm not good enough because they're so intertwined. And with systemic, you get so much feedback and you get it cleanly that like you're really able to differentiate between your worth as a human. I can speak for myself, my worth as a human versus like the feedback that I get and how I'm doing on something and recognizing that I can't get better unless I get feedback. You know, like, yeah. cool. like you said, simple, but difficult. Kind I, of I think so. And you said something, you know, around that's definitely true. And I find myself giving a lot more feedback to people and, and in general using the clean feedback model. Um, and some people aren't ready for that kind of feedback, even in a clean way. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the first thing I train in all my agile coaching courses because it's so important, right? If we can crack this thing and start using feedback in a clean way in the organizations we work in, um, and we both use it in our agile coaching approaches, um, with how we do coaching assessments and those sort of things um it just makes such a big difference if you can start separating out your evidence and inference at least yeah and it's something that just hit me that may or may not be true i don't know but like is that what agility is is just feedback like if we look at scrum we've got stand-ups and retros and all and reviews like all of that is just feedback yep. you know? it's just really it's all about feedback if you had an organization they gave themselves continual feedback all the time about everything that was clean. Like would they need any agile frameworks or whatever? I don't know that they would. 
No, they wouldn't. They'd have their own stuff, right? The, yeah. For me, the definition of agile is responding to customer needs quickly, which is <laughs> another way of putting that is the ability to respond to your customer's feedback. Yeah. And how we do that is by giving feedback all of the time in all the work we do. Yeah. And what we, all we're doing in Scrum, for example, is enforcing some feedback loops right. at different cadences um, to try and get you in the habit of um, giving and receiving feedback. Uh, but if we could do that continuously, uh, and that's one of the things that um, teams that have had some systemic modeling work um, do very easily and quickly. Well, I don't know if they do it easily, but they, <laughs> they do it more. Um, the need for a lot of those other things becomes much less the, the more um, traditional kind of scrum events or any agile meetings that you might have. Right. And then if you layer, for example, the clean feedback model with brain state, and then you can recognize which brain state you're in to see if you're capable of even absorbing feedback. And then you layer that onto the drama triangle to see if you're in rescuer, persecutor, or what's the other one? Victim. Yeah. Victim. Them. <laughs> like that's really the when things get more complex and when you get more value is when you layer all of those things together yeah cool that was a good good little exploration there sarah <laughs> and so is there anything else that we want to say before we let our listeners and viewers go about systemic modeling uh no uh, we just encourage you to um write to us, put in the comments or um, email us um, and that will give us some ideas about what you want us to go through um, in the next few episodes. Yeah. Thanks everybody for joining us for our second chat and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs>